often talking about how films are made, but what happens afterwards? How does the buzz around them end up reaching you? In this episode, we're celebrating the wonderful women in film publicity, finding out more about their jobs and the sisterhood that bonds them. Here's Amy Dowd. I think as well, you know, women don't ask for pay rises and they don't ask for promotions. And we try really hard to give all of the women who work for us a voice and lots of appraisals to tell us how great they are and how they all deserve to be paid more money and stuff like that. This episode was recorded with a live audience from the film industry at Bulgari Hotel in Knightsbridge, November 2021. Enjoy. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Thank you so much, The Bulgari, for having us today. It really is a very special venue, so excited to be here. So this is an industry special to celebrate the unsung heroines of the film industry. Some of whom are in this room, some of whom are not, but I hope that they all feel valued if they're listening to this. So tonight we have women working in different kinds of organizations to talk about their work. First of all, two women with lots of experience in the industry and impressive track records with working as in-house publicists with big distributors. First up is a publicity manager for Sony Pictures releasing UK. She's worked in the industry for over 30 years. I've known her for at least 15 of those, I reckon. She is Anna Whelan. Welcome, Anna. It's so lovely to have you here. I've seen so much of you over the years, but never in this context, so it's really lovely. Second up is the Vice President of Publicity with STX Films UK. She was formerly of Momentum Pictures and E1. Please welcome Anne Gartside. Hello, Anne. Anne, Anna and Anna. What could possibly get confused about that? I'm going to ask you a bit more about what you do because I think a lot of people actually, you know, film fans and, you know, film students, etc., don't really know what your work involves. So I personally, and I'm always learning, as you know, I've been doing this for a long time and in my time in the Critics Circle, I've often been quizzing you guys saying, what do you do? Because it's, it's really interesting. So I'm going to ask you both one by one how you got involved in the business and do you remember the first film that you worked on? I'll start with you, Anna. Well, yes. So I started out as a temp. I worked for the temping agency probably about 32 years ago now. And um, when I was told that I was going to work at a film distribution centre, I, I actually thought it was going to be a film distribution centre and we, it was distributing like Fuji, Canon, you know, that type <laughs> of film. Right, wow. I had no idea <laughs> this side of film distribution existed. And I walked into uh, Columbia Canon Warner, as it was then, yep. that's really aging me, joint distribution company. I loved it from the minute I worked really? in there. I was very well supported and um, I was in my early 20s and the first film that I worked on was Hope and Glory, Ian Bannon. Wow. Yes. Good and start. we had a premiere for that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was fantastic. See, I've learned something already. I didn't know that's how you got into it. You were temping and then you just went, this is my job. This is my future. It's interesting because, you know, those opportunities don't really exist now. Mm. And I was very lucky to be able to get in when I did. Well, you're obviously very good at it. <laughs> and tell me how you started out. I went to do a master's in cinema studies, it was called. And I don't, I don't think that course exists anymore, but there's actually quite a few people who are in the industry <clears throat> who also did it. And it was quite unique at the time because it was, so this is like the late 90s. And so a portion of the course was 
like film um, theory, and then a portion of it was industry, which, uh, yeah, again, I don't, I don't think there was a, any other course that was doing that at the time. And so I had to go and do work experience as part of the industry element of it. And um, I went to work for a company that was at the time called Electric Pictures, and then became Alliance Releasing, and is a small, privately owned distribution company in London. And like, I've never lived in London or anything like that before. So I just threw myself into it six weeks and just absolutely loved it. And then I went back to finish the master's and then they called me up and said, we've got this job coming up in publicity. Do you want to come and interview for it? And so I so I came back and obviously they knew me and I knew them at that point, but I genuinely didn't really know what publicity was, even though I'd done that six week stint. I didn't, you know, I just I thought I have to be really honest. What is public relations? You know, I just don't know what it means. And they said, oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> fine and it was actually it was a the run by a woman had you know female boss at the time it was a female head of marketing so it's quite a female heavy company and one of the first films that I worked on was a film called Following which was directed by a then completely unknown Christopher Nolan the woman who ran the company was called Liz Wren and she was just amazing and just was out looking for people all the time and yeah she picked up this film and it was his student film black and white 70 minutes yeah, I had to call up newspapers and try and get them to put him, you know, to interview him. And yeah, I mean, what an interesting thing, really, now looking back. Fascinating. Yeah, following is actually a great film. Mm, what a, what yeah, an auspicious really start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned that obviously a lot of women are doing this job. It's very female-led. And you first, why do you think it is so female-led? Do, do you think that women, it resonates with women, the, the tasks of publicity? Or Yeah, I think so. I think there's, you know, there are clear kind of skills involved that possibly women naturally lean into like and then you know just I mean another thing is that you have to be a little bit chameleon like you know you do have to change slightly depending on who you're talking to who you're working with and that's like whether it's you know a journalist or it's an actor or it's a director you know there is a slightly different way of kind of communicating with each of those people and perhaps it's something that that women are just kind of less ego potentially you know yeah I think it, it, it in my experience it has been I've only really no I haven't I've worked with some guys as well but in the but the publicity discipline in all the companies that I've worked in has been led by a woman very interesting Anna, do you want to comment on that? Because you were, you were nodding. Well, no, I agree with a lot of what Anne is saying. But when I actually first started out, um, the team was split evenly. We were equal men and women. And it's only really over the years, I feel like, that um, it has become more female-led. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Basically, the company that I've been with, we've all worked together for a long time. And we support each other. It's a team of women. We've supported each other all the way through. I've really noticed that about Sony. I mean, everyone I've dealt with there has, has been there for such a long time. So that, yeah. that speaks volumes, I think, about that yeah. sisterhood or that community. Yes, they've been fantastic. I mean, having brought up my um, two sons, um, well, they're sort of in their late 20s and almost 30 now. But I think to have women, you know, to support me through that has been great. And um, the one thing that I would say is that there isn't adequate childcare facilities for within our industry it's very expensive and it's one of the reasons why I stopped working in between when after I had my second son and um, took a break. Interesting yeah I mean we've had episodes where we've spoken to raising films who are campaigning for exactly what you're suggesting there which is better childcare all round so yeah 
let's let's hope that happens. I want to ask more about what you both do. So I thought I'd ask what you've been working on recently or coming up. And then when we run through that quickly, maybe you can just give me a little insight into how it works. So Anna, do you want to talk me through what you've been working on? I think Zola. Zola actually opened in August and um, was supported by the Sundance Film Festival. We actually had um, a great PR agency, Premier, working on the publicity for that. But I just really enjoyed the film. I was buzzing. Me too. It's such a fun watch. Yeah, so based on a Twitter thread, crime comedy, female wolf of Wall Street, just to put it in a nutshell. Yeah, brilliant. Hey. Last month, I went dancing at this cute spot in Florida where my roommate's girl made like five Gs a night. Because of my we just met yesterday and you're already trying to take hoe trips together? Be ready by two. Hi, bitch! You want to hear a story about how me and this bitch fell out? It's kind of long, but it's full of suspense. You want to go somewhere with me? That's my yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just love the relationship. I love, you know, Janitska Bravo. She, I think she did a great job. She didn't try to pretend to, you know, recreate the whole Twitter thread. It was um, absurd. It was funny. And it was quite traumatic as well. But it also kind of encouraged debate about quite a number of different things that, you, you know, you come out talking about sex trafficking and stripping and, yeah, marginalisation of women. And you've got another one coming up, which I don't know very much about. Give me a quick pricey where the crawdads sing. Based on a novel by um, Delia Owens, best-selling novel by Delia Owens. It's been produced by Hello Sunshine, which is Reese Witherspoon's production and media company. Stars Daisy Edgar-Jones and is directed by Olivia Newman. So a lot of great women in there behind the film. Um, it's set in the Deep South. It's just a great story and it's coming out in the summer next year and I'm really, really looking forward to that. Now that sounds like one for us. And the other one we wanted to quickly touch upon is out now. Well, I wouldn't be a good PR if I wasn't putting the <laughs> promoting the films that we're, we're releasing currently. So yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And it's an interesting one. I mean, you know, you throw everything into you know the work that you do um, behind these films from our point of view anyway you live them and breathe them and you want them to be successful You're, you handle them with care yeah I've been working really hard in this I particularly love Carrie Coon in it and McKenna Grace and I just felt, felt them quite empowering roles but it you know it wasn't pushed down your throat really enjoyed it I love Carrie Coon so should we have a little look at a clip from Ghostbusters Afterlife what is happening here somehow a town with no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. Maybe it's the apocalypse. Egon came out here for a reason. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? You experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? You guys hear that? Something's coming. That looks great. Thank you, Anna. I'm going to move to Anne now and ask you what you've been working on. What, the first choice is one that we had a special episode on. We spoke to a lot of strippers for this about what it was really like being a stripper in episode 56 of Girls on Film. And the film is, of course... Hustlers. Yeah. yeah. So you worked on that. And um, briefly, what, what did your job involve with that? What were the highlights for you with that job? Firstly, I guess, 
Jennifer Lopez, just amazing. Yeah, she couldn't, I mean, it was all like in the beginning trying to work out whether she could come to the UK, all that sort of stuff. Sadly, she couldn't. They The film premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in 2019. I mean, just kind of blew up as soon as it premiered and her performance was completely kind of unexpected, I think, from, from a critic's point of view. And, you know, just what an amazing roster of women and like great female roles. And a really brilliant director who you interviewed, didn't you, Anna? Called Lorene Scafaria. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I worked with a girl called Julia um, on that as well. And we just had a blast, really, kind of reaching, I think, reaching audiences that we hadn't necessarily kind of tapped into before, which was which was really fun and really exciting. And working with another agency called Vamp, actually, who were great. Yeah, J-Lo isn't around. You can't kind of access her very easily. You get like snippets of time and you've just got to jump on them and do what you can when, when she's available. But yeah, you, like Anna said, you know, you just put your heart and soul into stuff like that. And and for me personally, it was just great working with Lorene and like a, you know, female producers as well. It was, it was really good fun. I guess the only disappointment with that film is what happened come awards it yes. really frustrated me. So true. And I actually really have a very clear memory of having a discussion with a, a BAFTA member, in like an older guy in our industry, and chatting away like, oh, what, what are you watching? What have you seen? And, I, and it suddenly dawned on me as I was talking to him that Hustlers just wasn't a film that he and I think many other voters could take seriously. And I stepped away from that conversation thinking, wow, that is so interesting, given that this film has taken like eight million pounds, you know, it had four and five star reviews. She came out, came out and everyone talked about her getting, a, you know, winning awards and things. And then then actually those nominations, when they came around, in fact, actually the public also were a bit outraged, <laughs> not just about Hustlers. And, they, you know, it really struck me and clearly struck the rest of the industry that we needed to make some changes certainly in that in that voting process and yeah for me it was just that particular year when it happened I agree I mean I was getting asked a lot when I was doing punditry you know on tv and radio why are there not more women nominated why are these films not being nominated and I do think we can probably all agree that it's moved on a little bit since then mm. there's a long way to go but obviously with Nomadland doing so well last year that's a, a step forward but but what you touched upon there is the type of women that this centers on as well there's some maybe um, bias going on there so that's yeah, yeah that's really yeah, interesting I think it yeah. Is, yeah yeah we champion i care a lot and spoke to rosamond on the podcast rosamond probably loved that film so you did this one so that's another great one and then um the final one we could show a quick clip from is spencer that you've been working on yeah should we have a look at that mommy what's happened to make you so sad well here in this house there is no future past and the present are the same thing. Diana, they can't change. You have to change. You have to be able to do things you hate. You hate? There has to be two of you. It's the real one <laughs> and the one they take pictures of. Diana, for the good of the country. For the country. Spencer, how amazing is Kristen Stewart in that? Yeah, she's, she's so phenomenal. good. Yeah. So good. I have a lot of questions, but also we've reached the point where we can cut to the audience. So does anyone have any questions for my lovely panel at this stage or anything to add? Hello. Yes, go for it. Who's been the nicest or, or most interesting uh, talent you've looked after in your career? Oh, <laughs> tough question. Well, the, the nicest, Nora Ephron. I had pleasure of working on two of her films. One of the first was Sleepless in Seattle. 
And um, in those days, I don't know how, but I had the confidence to sit in front of an audience of uh, journalists and, and basically chair the questions. And she was fantastic. She took me to lunch after. I was a young publicist at the time and for Julie and Julia as well. It was amazing to be around her. She was incredibly supportive and uh, grateful for all the work that everybody was doing on the films. You don't want to say the nastiest, do you? <laughs> you, you know, as a publicist, <laughs> what a tricky question that is. I did tell this story just earlier. I also introduced Barbara Streisand at a press conference and she turned around and hissed at me. Streisand, Streisand. And one of the journalists, I'll never forget, Phil Key from the Liverpool Echo, put his hand up and went, Miss Streisand, for the first question. I was like, thank you, Phil. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. And any, anyone spring to mind on either end of the scale? There's t probably too many horrible ones to it. <laughs> no, no, there, there isn't, there isn't. Um, I mean, actually, Loreen Scavari, the director of Hustlers, is a lovely, genuinely collaborative person and another film that is fairly recent as well I can think of called Our Friend which was directed by Gabriella Cowperthwaite and she is just she was great as well really really like genuinely you know want to help and want to be useful and and just have asking like nice questions <laughs> and really grateful for all the work that you're doing and that's you know sometimes we don't we don't get a lot of that do we sometimes and yeah it's just nice when it comes yeah I have heard from some of your colleagues that they're nice the talent as we call them is nice to me and the other journalists and then to you maybe not so much so it's really lovely to hear when people are nice yeah even they're not always nice to us as you well know <laughs> but yeah look I could gossip with you all day but we do have more people to go through next up we have two women who currently work in leading communications agencies First up, she's worked in PR for 15 years, both agency and client side, and she's currently Senior Account Director at DDAPR. She is Vicky Tupper. Hello, Vicky. Welcome. Lovely to have you on Girls on Film. Thank you. I'm going to introduce our next person. She runs Organic, and she's built Organic from a team of 15 people to a multi-award winning agency of 50 with offices in London, LA, and Sydney. She is Cara Cook. How are you? Hello. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, absolute pleasure. Uh, I can ask you the same question, really. How did you both get into the industry? Again, for some reason, I don't. We've never had this conversation. We're too busy watching movies and arranging things. Emailing. Yeah, emailing. <laughs> a lot of emails. Production Vicky. notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I started off in a festival, actually. I, I started off back in 2006, a very long time ago, working on the London Film Festival at Premier PR. And then I left for a little bit. And then I went to work at Organic with Cara Cook working on the Edinburgh Film Festival and then went back to Premiere and then went back to Organic and then went off to Entertainment One and worked in-house for a few years and then left there and then went to DDA. So I'm, I've been hip-hopping around for a little while now. Yeah, you can speak yeah. to the whole variety, can't you? This is great, perfect. <laughs> but a lot of people do seem to jump around in your business. I mean, it's natural, right? Yeah, I think so, definitely. I think there's a lot to be said about um, getting as much experience as you can. I think working in-house and working in agencies is, is very different. Very, very different. And I think it boiled down, for me, for having a broader range of projects to work on. And that is something that I definitely get. That's interesting. That's why I wanted to get that... Yeah, the different types on, yeah, to, to compare and contrast. So, Cara, tell me how you got into it. Well, 
I'm an agency girl through and through. I've only ever worked at agencies. I've never been in-house, which, you know, one day maybe. But I love agencies because, as Vicky says, it's just such a huge variety. But I got in, I studied film in Cardiff, and I did some film promotion work while I was at uni, handing out flyers outside the union for film screenings. And the promotions company that I was working with once I'd graduated, I was doing work experience in Soho somewhere and I saw their office and I thought, oh, I'm going to go in and just give them my CV. I had like my bag with my CVs in and I walked in and the lady that ran the agency, Leslie Hassan Egan, it's Lime Communications. She really just so lovely. She said, come in, have a cup of tea. And she faxed my CV there and then to, this was 20 years ago, to Janina Zern at DDA. A couple of weeks later, I was Janine's assistant. And that's how I started. And my first film was Slackers, which I think was one of Anne's at Momentum, weirdly. A hilarious teenage comedy. Jason Schwartzman that probably no one's ever heard of. But yeah. I'm pretty sure I reviewed it. I can't remember what I probably said about did. it, but I definitely reviewed it. And then I was I was at DDA for five years and kind of learnt a lot there and and then I went to work at Rogers and Cowan, who set up a London office. Went with Janine again. She she brought me over and worked with some amazing people there like Nikki Parker and Emma McCorkle all incredibly inspiring women who have been on my journey with me. And then I joined Organic with Emma 10 years ago, coming up for 11 years ago. And yes, have have built it from quite a small little marketing agency to now what's quite an exciting launching in different countries kind of, yeah, That's very amazing. exciting agency. Congratulations. Thank you. It's wonderful. And you touched on it earlier, Vicky, about how your jobs differ from in-house publicists, but how would you sum it up other than the variety? What are the different challenges? I think one of the main differences is in agency, you, you're accountable to a lot of different people. So, you know, I, I work with a lot of different clients and you have to be able to report to those clients and tell them what's going on at, at all times. Whereas in-house, I think you have a little bit more space to maybe just do what you want. <laughs> I don't know if anyone would agree, but that is, that's a fact really, I think, because you only have your boss to be accountable to. But in agency, I think, Cara, you would agree? Like, yeah, You have definitely. a lot of people that you need to... You have to be very adaptable as well, because every client is different. You're doing different work for every client and yeah. every client likes their reports done differently. differently you know, yeah. so. Lots of different Excel documents, Google Docs, different yeah, lots of different documents, I think, for different clients. And do you feel a personal passion for bringing female stories to the forefront? I'm, I'm getting nods here, Cara, first. Yeah, massively. I mean, I think we're really lucky. Our agency has, has worked on some incredible female-led and female-directed films over the last few years. I mean, so many. And Right now, we're working on loads. It feels like there's a real momentum now. And that's just, yeah, really encouraging and exciting. It, it feels like a really exciting time. I know. Well, this is obviously what we've been fighting for three years on Girls and Films. So we're very excited to see it come to fruition. And thanks to everybody's hard work, I think. Let's talk through some of the things that you've been both been working on. Vicky, let's start with your first one. This is 
animals. So um, so we, we featured um, Sophie Hyde in episode 13 of Girls on Film. This is going back a while, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little while now. I think it was 2019. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really understand time anymore because of the pandemic. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody yeah. does. <laughs> yeah, so, so this is a great female. If you haven't seen it, really well worth a watch. Great female-led film, female-directed. Lots of fun. People called it the, the, the female with nail eye, didn't they? Yeah, they did, for good reason, I think. It's uh, based on a book by Emma Jane Unsworth, who's an incredible talent and a wonderful human being. And she was lucky enough to write the screenplay as well for the film, which is great and not something that happens all the time, actually. So that was great for her. That's that's true. That's a good point. And, you know, a lot yeah. of female writers do get edged out, don't they, Absolutely. at the, the screenplay stage. So that's really cool that she got yeah. to do that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, and uh, directed by um, Sophie Hyde, as, as you discussed, and uh, starring Holiday Granger and Alia Shawkat. A great, great film. Really, really fun filmmakers and cast to hang out with. We went to Galway Film Festival, which was hilarious. I can't even <laughs> discuss what went down. Oh, come on, that, give us a clue. <laughs> come on. There was a lot of Guinness involved. Um, yeah, we, ha we had a good time. But yeah. You basically recreated the movie, right? Essentially, we just, Perfect. scene by scene, that's just how, <laughs> how we worked that out. Um, but yeah, Picture House um, released that film and it did really well. And just really proud to be able to work with a fully female team the producer as well um Sarah Bocklehurst I'm, I'm working with at the moment as well and she's just fabulous and and going on to do amazing things so really proud to work on a film like that that has such a female-led team producers another unsung kind of Absolutely. area of the industry and so important yeah and I, mean, I wouldn't fantastic. want to do that job amazing <laughs> it's very stressful what producers achieve is incredible yeah and you've got a current release at the moment um the color room yes yeah yes, so tell us a little bit more about that so that just released uh, on friday actually so it's fairly new that is uh, my client there is is sky we worked really hard actually to to, to get this film out there it's it's a really great film female-led film Claire McCarthy is a director it stars uh, Phoebe Dinover from Bridgerton um, about Clarice Cliff who is a, a famous ceramicist from the 20s it was a joy to work on I have to admit really really fun worked with a lot of experts in that area which was great including Will Farmer uh, who is from the Antiques Roadshow uh, he was an actual treasure um, <laughs> knows everything about Clarice which is which is fabulous but yeah it it's was, a lovely it it's a lovely positive female focused story isn't it so we have a little look at a clip I say we stop playing it safe thicker strokes and colour be careful Miss Cliff don't misinterpret my brother's attentions if we sell directly to women we'd be leading the way in the potteries modern women will not want tat the modern woman is forward-looking, not backward-looking. No, it's lovely, and it's a champion of female artists, isn't it, who hasn't, who's been overlooked by history, and this is obviously something that we are all behind, and finally seeing more movies like that. Yeah, so. she broke the mould. Yeah. Oh, very good, I see what you did there. Like it, Ricky, right. Cara, shall we start with Raya and the Last Dragon, because you worked on this one, um, which we featured on Girls on Film, and um, reviewed very warmly, because I think it was quite good in terms of representation. Um, you know, an animation. My name is Raya. Our lands have been at war for as long as we can remember. Our people never see eye to eye. My daughter, I believe our people can come together again, but someone has to take the first step. Now, in order to restore peace, we must find the last dragon. I wish to join this fellowship of butt kickery. 
Let's go. So tell me more. Um, when you say I worked on it, I cannot claim credit a lot because of it do. was yeah. my incredible team working on it. This is a campaign that we're really proud of. We worked with Disney, obviously, on it. We realised that we needed to have a really authentic campaign for Raya. Um, this was the first kind of Disney princess that had been based in the Southeast Asian region. And so we brought somebody into our team to work with us on it. And it's the first time we've kind of worked in this way. But we found this incredible girl called Julia Salbia, who is Filipino-French um, in, in heritage. And she, she's just this beautiful model, actress, stunt woman, martial arts expert, I mean, literally everything you want to be, and incredibly intelligent and had traveled extensively in Southeast Asia. She hadn't done PR really, but she'd worked a little bit on films. And we just said, do you want to come and work with our team on this? Because what we needed and what we felt was really important for this campaign is, yes, we wanted to connect with a family and kids audience, but we also really wanted to connect with very specific audience of the people that Raya would really resonate with. So, you know, young girls from Southeast Asian origin who have never had a Disney princess before. So Julia really helped us kind of, we worked with sort of community groups and um, martial arts kind of influencers. We worked with this really cool influencer called Sophia Jin, who was like an adventure enthusiast from, you know, British Korean heritage and it was just it was it was a much more kind of focused and targeted campaign we worked when we did our gifting kind of mail drop for journalists and influencers on the day of release we worked with like a London-based kind of Korean quite a small you know Korean restaurant and we provided Raya inspired meal kits for you know influencers so it was just it was a very authentic campaign. This brings me to a question which needs to be asked. Um, we've talked about, obviously, this majority of women, but do you think there is a need for more diversity in film publicity? Absolutely, yes. And I think, I imagine we are all working on that a lot at the moment, which, you know, it's well overdue, but certainly at higher levels in publicity, we all look the same and, and it's just not good enough. So, yeah, we're working very hard as an agency to, to change that. And it, it's building from the bottom up and it's going to be a long term commitment. But I think we're all very, very serious about making change because all of these amazing stories, you know, they need an authentic campaign and our team is fantastic and we are we're a very diverse bunch from a whole range of backgrounds and countries but we do need to kind of have that all ingrained in our in our team yeah, in a much I would agree. bigger way yeah definitely and i think that's something definitely dda is looking to well actively doing right now to try and try and make a difference with that for sure Good. Glad to hear it. And that was really interesting, that story about Raya. Thank you. That, that was that was great to hear. And we'll just touch briefly on a few of the other projects um, that you've got. So one of my personal films of the year, The Power of the Dog. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously still in the throes of that campaign at the moment. But yes, obviously amazing to be working on a Jane Campion film. And um, it is a pretty special film. Yeah, extraordinary film. And another great film, Ali and Ava. You're working on lovely, yeah, lovely, yeah. lovely film. What's lovely about 
filmmakers like Clio as well as, you know, being British. It's just lovely having filmmakers like her who are, are British homegrown and making stories about all over the country, representing lots of different regions and it's a beautiful film. Yeah, it's great in terms of reputation, but also a really heartwarming film. Mm. And I'll just quickly mention Petite Maman, um, which is Celine Siama. We're huge fans yeah. of Celine on the podcast. So something yeah. for everyone to get excited about that coming up soon. Released on Friday. On Friday. There you go. <laughs> in cinemas. And we, movies. Uh, yeah, that's one of Mubi's films, which is they're very Yeah, and we love Mubi too. They're such great taste in movies. So we're going to end with a clip with something that you worked on, which we featured in not one, but two episodes of Girls on Film before. Episode 62 and 72, if anyone's counting. Promising Young Woman. Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? So another chance for a little Q&A with the audience. Uh, anyone got tough questions like the last one we had or nice ones for my two fabulous guests here? I was wondering about the way that the industry has changed. And I think one of the things that I know has changed over time is um, social media become so important. And I wondered if that has completely changed the way that you work. Yes. <laughs> yes, it has. Yes, it has. Social media is absolutely huge now, obviously. It's something that you can't really ignore and something that is definitely very different from the traditional um, elements of PR that I think Cara and I are both used to working within. We have a whole huge team at DDA that deal specifically with social media and um, I think that's something that we now just try and envelope into our campaigns and just make sure that that is covered because... That essentially really is the only way that you can get to certain audiences and those are younger audiences. You know, young people don't read magazines or newspapers or even watch the news now or watch, they don't even watch TV. You know, they don't, you know, it's very difficult to get to them. And I think the only real way that you can do that these days is via TikTok or Instagram. And so it has become really vital to embrace that. I mean, for us, most of our campaigns are very integrated with social and PR. Is It's just kind of, we have separate teams. We obviously have social separate specialists, but they all work together on campaigns. The social and PR team are on all of the emails together because it is all kind of part of the same campaign. So it's hugely important. And influencers kind of sits there in this kind of, it is PR, but it also, you know, a lot of our clients see it as marketing because you obviously pay for a lot of it. That's all kind of still trying to sort of figure out where it all lives and we're just adapting as, you know, to respond to it as it, as it all Which is evolves. hard. It's, it's difficult because at first, this, you know, like influencers first came along and we were like, ah, flash in the pan, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one really understands what that is or cares. But um, now yeah. it's like a billion, well, billion Well, I, I remember coming back from maternity leave and everything seemed to have changed yeah. in that nine months I was away. It was like one minute, like, it was like, the Guardian's really important. And the next minute, it's like, What's no, no, no. It's, yeah. uh, it's no, it's like... TikTok, guys. Carry, Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. Snapchat, Cara, come on. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that... It's hard for me. I, did, you know, I don't know about everybody else, but it's it's tricky because you... So much emphasis, I think, throughout most of my career has been on print interviews, you know, getting the Guardian, getting the Observer, getting the Telegraph Times, you know, and, and all of a sudden that's not... the 
case anymore because you can reach so many more people just by doing an Instagram post. However, you, know? you say that I think there are certain films and I think yeah. um, Petite Maman is one of them. We're doing so much, you know, print is so important for mm. that campaign and, you know, those lovely pieces with Celine are just, that's right for that film, but... I know what you're yeah. saying. You, so you're tailing each film for a different market, obviously. So, yeah, that's that's very important. Fascinating. Thank you. Great question. I want to thank you both very, very much, Vicky and Cara. Please take your seats and I'll welcome my final guests up. So my final guests are the co-founders of a newer, relatively female-led company. They're called WDW Entertainment. Please welcome Amy Dowd and Joe Whitehead. <laughs> Fabulous women. So nice to see you. Well, I, I've known you because I've worked with you on various different things. I think when I was a judge on the EE Rising Star Award is when I first met you. Um, but, you know, your company is diverse. Tell me about it and how it started, Amy. Sure. So Joe, myself and Molly Whitehall um, founded the company in 2017. We'd all met at Freud's, obviously a huge entertainment agency where we'd had a brilliant time. Um, and then we went off to do our own kind of separate thing. I ended up at another agency and Joe and Molly started doing film publicity and awards campaigns. And then we started throwing each other a few bits of freelance work. And then we just thought, oh, sod it. Should we just do it? And then we just kind of created a very small agency where we really just wanted to create an environment where we would like to work. So, you know, quite nice to each other, flexible working, kind of pick and choose the projects that you want to work on. Like, I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know, if you're at a big agency, sometimes you don't get the choice of that. And I'd certainly had experiences of being put on accounts that were not related to film or entertainment, just because maybe a famous person was endorsing a product or something. And, I, and we'd really just decided that was not for us anymore. So we set up this company and we're all women and we try to be very transparent and open. And I think as well, you know, women don't ask for pay rises and they don't ask for promotions. And we try really hard to give all of the women who work for us a voice and lots of appraisals to tell us how great they are and how they all deserve to be paid more money and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> so we work across film, TV and a bit of theatre, um, red carpet, stuff like that. And we just try to choose projects that make us jump out of bed in the morning. And I think organically through that, there are a lot of female-led projects, film, TV, theatre, and also female-led companies. We work with Sister, who are obviously phenomenal, and kind of seek out companies like that, really, that really make us excited. And Joe, where where are you at the moment? Um, you've expanded quite a lot since that beginnings that Amy was talking about. Yeah, exactly. It started off with just the three of us. And actually, um, listening to the other women speak, we had a really interesting start in PR, whereby we worked, as Amy mentioned, at Freud's, which I would say was a male-dominated PR agency. You know, we were definitely in the minority on our team there. So I think that's quite interesting. And it might be because they have so much corporate and what have you. But, yeah, I think we were definitely outnumbered at, at Freud's. Um, but, yeah, no, we've definitely grown and expanded. Um, we work, as Amy mentioned, a lot of film, television. But we really focus a lot of our attention as well on documentaries. Um, we've really expanded and grown that area over the past few years and absolutely love being part of that world. Why did you decide to focus more on documentaries? We were working with National Geographic magazine and we relaunched that by doing a guest editorship program where we had these amazing people edit each month the magazine. And then 
just by chance, we met a really senior member of the Nat Geo staff came over from Washington and said, we're launching this thing called National Geographic Documentary Films. Do you think you'd want to do that as well? And that's really where it all kicked off. And our first big film with them was Free Solo, which won the Oscar and the BAFTA. And I think, you know, it was a documentary that really, really broke through. Everybody who has made free soloing a big part of their life is dead now. I haven't been injured in like seven years. I suddenly start getting injured all the time. What if something happens? Ah! What if I don't see him again? I could just walk away, but it's like, I don't want to. I've always been conflicted about shooting a film about free soloing just because it's so dangerous. It's hard to not imagine your friend falling through the frame to his death. I think when he's free soloing, that's when he feels the most alive, most everything. How can you even think about taking it away from somebody? Over the years, we've seen documentary go from something quite niche to actually being quite big. And obviously documentary, in my view, or certainly from a lot of women that I speak to in the industry, you know, they say it's perhaps easier to get into documentaries as a woman or it's more viable because you do a lot of the work yourself so you just get on with it. Do you find yourselves working with a, a, a healthy proportion of women partly because there are so many in that field? We do. We find that across the board, producers, directors, it is really quite split, male, female. And actually... It's very white though. It is. So that's something that actually we, we really did notice over the years that we've been working on documentary, we started to look at that and think, gosh, you know, we need more uh, diverse voices telling some of these stories, which really led to Amy then picking up the phone and having a conversation with one of our clients, Netflix, um, agreed and came on board and allowed us to launch. It was a documentary talent fund, basically, which we're working with them on at the moment, which has been really great. And that's really just been to try and open the door to underrepresented, you know, communities and filmmakers and try and empower people to give it a go. Like I think, you know, in documentaries, a, a lot of the time people have an idea and they have to self-fund it. And that's not, you know, I mean, you know, we all have to start somewhere, but not everyone has that money kicking around to, you know, do a passion project. Um, and so the Netflix documentary fund's been amazing to kind of fund 10, you know, filmmakers to make their documentary. That's a brilliant initiative. Another initiative you had was um, the Bumble Female Film Force, which I was a judge on as well. Would you like, Amy, to explain briefly what that is? Yeah, it was actually interesting hearing the other women talk about Hustlers because I was trying to figure out what year that was. But Because it was 2018 where at the BAFTAs, we were very lucky. We had a, a documentary nominator called Jane about Jane Goodall. And we were sitting in the audience. And that year... 20% of the winners were female and 80% were male. And until you actually see award after award and male after male walk on stage, it actually, you don't actually realise what that means. And so we rolled over with a hangover and basically were like, what is going on? And we picked up the phone to some of our friends who had made films, friends at BAFTA, friends at the BFI. And we were like if we set up a fund to support women in film, how would we do it? What would we do it? What would the um, process be like? And what we learned was that a lot of people were scared to enter the industry because those applications are very laborious. You know, if you apply for, there's lots of money out there. The BFI is fantastic at it. There are lots of other funds, but they can be very, very laborious, scary. You go into pitch and it's a room full of men behind a table. Um, and we had, a, we had a contact at Bumble and we knew what they were trying to do in terms of, you know, equality and empowering women and women 
in making the first move. So we set up this thing and all you had to do was apply through the app and it was an idea, a logline, a creative statement. We didn't look at your name. We didn't look at your experience. We just looked at your idea. And we basically produced 10 films in 18 months from all female making teams. We also had one of those short films go on to be longlisted for an Oscar. And, and that's on Netflix now. Delapo is, is fine. Now on Netflix. And then overall, I think we ended up at nearly 90 film festivals with our films. So you've really gone a long way from sort of serving a publicity company and, it, and it's kind of stretched in terms of its remit, hasn't it? I think we're lucky with our clients that they're open to ideas. You know, we're very lucky with Bumble. You know, we've done a few bits and bobs with Netflix previously. And I think, you know, it works for everyone. You know, it was part of the core values for Bumble. And, you know, we know that Netflix, they try really hard to invest in new talent. It's a genuine, genuine thing. So it, it's worked both ways. So do you think big companies just need a little push sometimes or a nudge? Yeah. And I think that's maybe where agencies are quite good because in-house teams are very busy. You know, they have, everything's a priority, right? If you work in-house, everything's a priority. And I think that's where, you know, if you're a good agency, you can say, we can help you with this and it will tick these goals for you. Trust us. Yeah, exactly. And a different point of view can be quite helpful sometimes. Let's talk a little bit about what you've been working on as well. Uh, the film Passing is um, out at the moment and this is a terrific one which we've reviewed recently on Girls on Film. Um, you must be proud to work on this. Yeah, absolutely. So this one came along and we went and saw it and instantly said yes. It's been really exciting. It's Rebecca Hall's directorial debut. So it's just been a really, really wonderful experience. It premiered at Sundance and we've had incredibly glowing reviews. The way we approached it is we screened it a lot and we just kept on screening it and kept on screening it until you basically couldn't really ignore it anymore. <laughs> and it's just, it's been a really wonderful experience. Um, we worked really hard and really closely with the Netflix team. It's been a real collaboration. Uh, selecting the journalists and how we want to position it. We had the very wonderful Alan E. Jones did our first interview with this in The Guardian. And yeah, we've it's been a, a really great experience. Terrific film. Another one is Becoming. We were talking about documentaries, but this, this is about Michelle Obama. Yeah, another one we've covered on Girls on Film on Ep 34 and um, what an inspiring film that is. Again, this was another one we've worked on with uh, the Netflix team. We screened it a lot, but it also came about in an interesting time. We were, I can't remember if we'd, if we'd headed into lockdown or where we were at, but what we did with this one is we brought together groups of women and we did all these really amazing round tables to generate conversation, really to get everyone talking about this film. We also decided with this that we would only have female film critics review the film. <laughs> so that was quite interesting, having conversations with all the newspaper editors. How did editors. that go? <laughs> I mean, we just thought, like, why not? I didn't actually know that about this film. I mean, we reviewed it on the VOD, but obviously yeah. we sailed through your, your tests. <laughs> so we didn't, I mean, we didn't get quite 100% success rate on it, but... We really tried really hard and fought that case that we really believed that, you know, we should get female critics because they're, you know, you're talking about our industry, but your industry working as a critic it is very male dominated. So we just thought, well, we're just going to say we want women to review. I love that. And that's that. what we did. Well, this is obviously one of the reasons that we started Girls on Film, not just to champion female voices in film, but female film critics, because as you say, you know, and we also have a diversity issue. So we've been championing all that and trying to, like you, like all of you here, to get that balance and to bring bring those numbers up. So 
That's great, that campaign. Well done. And tell me about Billy. Billy was a documentary about Billy Holiday. It's a really incredibly powerful and beautiful film. And actually, we worked with this incredible woman on it called Cheyenne Brown. She produced it and went through hours and hours and hours and hours of footage to help piece that all together. And then we actually continued to work with Cheyenne and we've developed a really strong relationship with her. And she became one of the producers and mentors on our Netflix documentary Talent Fund. So, you know, it's a really lovely world combining with that one. I love that, that you're sort of collecting people along the way. In a way Definitely. I mean, yeah. yeah, and I think with the female film force now, there's this amazing network of women who they all share jobs or if they need help with crew, um, you know, and they're all really close friends. They also all get invited to all of our screenings, which is really nice. Georgia Yukiko Donovan, who made AMA, which is about the Japanese divers, she also ended up being a producer on our Netflix um, documentary fund as well. So there's kind of a nice network of filmmaking women that all help each other out and you know they pick up the phone to us a lot with problems and ideas and it's really nice that's nice yeah you're sort of an open door policy that's lovely but um, in terms of tv you haven't really touched much on tv other than netflix so the split can you tell me about yeah. this yeah yeah, so we work with Sister on The Split. We're working on season three at the moment, which is brilliantly Abby Morgan's directorial debut. She's obviously a phenomenal writer, and by all accounts from what we hear, she's done an amazing job on this series too. Obviously, this is a, an amazing show about a family of female divorce lawyers. They're sassy as hell and so incredibly smart, and the writing is brilliant. And it's, you know, it's from the team at Sister, you know, Jane Featherstone, amazing, amazing producer. Hannah Stern, how can I help you? Someone said that you're the best. I want a divorce. Hannah? Christine? People have affairs, but that is not always the cue for divorce. I got you something. High profile client, entertainment industry. She's hiding something. Most people are. I'm scared. Women trapped in marriages that they don't believe they're worthy of getting out of. It's such a cliche. You ever love two people? Do you know how hard this is? You always get caught in the end. Busted. And it's great, yeah. It's just lovely to be PRing, you know, four female leads and the men are kind of playthings a little bit, you know, because <laughs> she's got two men who adore her and you don't get to see that a lot and you don't get to see a woman who's over the age of 30, you know, having a nice time. And it's just a great, great show and that's um, coming next year on the BBC. Brilliant, yes. Well, ageism is another thing we talk a lot about on the podcast, so absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. This is really important. Well, listen, thank you both so much for joining us to talk about um, do stay on stage while we talk to our um, guests in the audience. Um, before I ask for general questions, actually, I wanted to ask someone sitting over there, <laughs> Judy Wells. So we talked with women working in the commercial sector. I wanted to ask Judy Wells, who works at the BFI, what the difference is when you work with publicly funded films. Hello, Hello. everyone. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, look, the BFI, you know, we do, we have a huge remit as the lead organisation for film and we have lots of different relationships with films, filmmakers and audiences. And obviously kind of we have we have a very sort of specific but very broad remit to support film, but also to support audiences and with a big focus on diversity and inclusion as well. So in terms of our kind of our relationship to as a film funder with a National Lottery Distributor for Film. You know, I think what's interesting is that a lot of our kind of PR approaches are more about amplifying those film campaigns rather than being people in control of those campaigns. So, you know, absolutely 
supporting and building on those campaigns that are already existing. But also, we are also a distributor of films. And that's where things do start get, to get quite interesting. Because, for example, a film like After Love, we're the distributor, but we're also the funder. Kind of joining up those campaigns on, on that level is, you know, another approach and I think so we've got all these different relationships as a festival with the London Film Festival that we that we obviously um, run as a exhibitor at BFI South Bank as a uh, distributor but also as a financier we we really have very very different relationships I think than you know when you're running a campaign as a distributor or as an agency so yeah a very different approach and I think a lot of you know, something that I've, I came from commercial television, actually, um, in-house. But we, I think the big thing, or the big difference is that the BFI, you know, very much, our reputation is really, really important to us. And it's kind of how we manage to, for example, work with talent who are not necessarily contracted to us, but who really, really have our, share our philosophy and I suppose a lot of that is about kind of having really, really wonderful relationships with with talent rather than having contracted time with them. So, yeah, lot, lots of lots of different factors at play, but we have quite a complicated relationship, I think, um, with uh, with PR. <laughs> That's really <laughs> I feel like we could talk for another hour about yeah, that. It's like a special we, episode. We have a lot to say. Loaded. <laughs> But yeah, but that's really interesting what you're saying about relationships and, and building them. And, and again, I mean, something we haven't touched on much was just like how contracted the talent is, you know, in different ways. So it's very intricate. But thank you, Judy, that, for the great work that you also do. And I should also say, just really interested to hear about the comment around diversity in our industry, because a few years ago, I think it was four years ago, we launched our critics mentorship scheme, which Anna knows all about, very much kind of launched on the back of kind of really shocking statistics about how many women were, you know, critics globally. Um, and that's been a really successful program, uh, really, really successful. And we're actually looking at expanding that program to film publicity. So watch this space. We'll, we'll come back and report back. But we've, we've now had four years of kind of really giving opportunities to young critics from all backgrounds. And we really want to do the same with PRs as well. That's wonderful news. Great stuff, Judy. Perfect timing announcement there. Does anyone feel like they haven't spoken enough? Because I feel like I whiz through everything and you guys have got so much experience. Cara, yes, please. One thing I think I would just like to do is just give some credit to my amazing team because as someone who took a break to have a baby six years ago now, but it's hard coming back in and I came back in and took on the managing director role actually when I came back from maternity leave. And the support that I had from not only my lovely partner who was amazing with our son and my family who helped with childcare, but my team at Organic who have been with me pretty much from the beginning have just been the most incredible support. And I think I want us as an agency to fully support women who are returning after having children. I want them to feel that they can come back and still do this job I felt like I wouldn't be able to do this job after, you know, having a baby, but it is doable and you have to change things, but it's doable. And I think that's just a really important thing to know is having the team around you to support you doing that is really important. I just want to add to that, actually, I think in general, outside of obviously coming back from having a baby and stuff, but in general, I think a lot of us specifically I think in agency but also in-house I don't think we could do what we do without the support of our teams 
I think it's so important to have a team of people behind you that will support you when things are going wrong as well as when they're right. And I think without that in this particular industry, the job would be impossible. I've got Sam Ross behind me, actually, one of my team. My best friend in the whole world. Oh, this is so cute. Um, I feel like you're going to sing a song to him or something. um, (laughs) I, I just think it's really important to acknowledge the teams that you have, as Cara said, you know, because without without those teams, I don't think we could any of us could do this job. And this brings me to the point I always make that, that it's not just about women. We need allies. We need men, including those in the room and including those that we work with and that support us. You know, we're all in this together. Yeah, it's important to be inclusive, but also to, you know, as you were saying, Cara, I'm sure it was male and female members of your team that you were helping you out when you came back and encouraging you. And it's so important, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tristan is like my sidekick and my work husband without him and everybody that I work with my whole team are amazing but you definitely need those people supporting you understanding you know that you might have to go and pick up your kid at some point and that's really important otherwise it's not doable. I had one question that's on my mind which no one's asked yet but if anyone wants to speak to it because I know that there is so many kind of misunderstandings about what your various jobs involved (laughs) so when you meet people and you explain what you do what surprises them about the reality of what you do holding handbags and umbrellas and um, no I mean there's so many different elements to our job I think it is probably the lack of glamour I think it's like, you know, you have so many family members that think you are swallowing down a red carpet and they don't actually realise you're in flat shoes in a black outfit trying to hide and not be in a shot. Yeah, and I also think it's, mum, so-and-so is going on BBC Breakfast to talk about a film I'm working on and then your mum goes, oh, it's great. She said this and this, this, and I didn't know that about that person. And wasn't it great when she talked about this? And wasn't that interesting? And I'm like, yes, because I told her to do that. (laughs) You know, we're obviously only four and a half years old, so we're... A smaller agency and um, what was really great when we started is so many people's parents didn't really know what we were doing and they all did media monitoring for us <laughs> so we had people's parents like trying to record radio interviews on their iPhones and then send well, it listen, to us listen this is on 5 Live we're like yes we know we have things set up to monitor that but <laughs> thanks so and so's mom. any final uh, comments or questions yeah we got uh, Lucy I think your job is kind of one of those invisible jobs that if you're doing it wonderfully nobody can see you and they're just sort of blinded and dazzled by the job that you've done that nobody thinks. And it is true that I think there's this public perception that publicity happens automatically and isn't actually a, a craft and created very consciously by some brilliant um, hardworking people. So I was curious, a couple of quick questions. What are the challenges that people might not know about? Because often I see the pressure. It seems like you're actually often squeezed between a rock and a hard place. And secondly, as a filmmaker and someone who works with talent, how how would you advise the people that you work with to get the most out of working with you? Because you know, filmmakers and talent are often really good at their job, but nobody actually tells you how to do that part of the job to promote the film. Nobody actually sits you down and has a conversation about how to work with publicists. Great question. Um, Amy, do you want to say that? I mean, I think just really quickly, you know, I think if you're promoting a film or, you know, any piece of entertainment, you've got to think like, why is this relevant? Why should I care? So if you've got a film, you know, I think I'd recommend thinking of three bullet points, you know, really simple that you want to talk about in every single interview that you do. 
and that's your really simple goal because it's competitive out there you know with the advent of streaming there is so much content so you know all of us who have spoken tonight like we are all fighting for the same space all day every day so trying to convince a journalist why this is relevant today is gonna make you make your film have the most cut through thank you for that amy Good, good question. And as a journalist, I apologise to everyone in the room that I haven't answered an email to recently. <laughs> I try, <laughs> but I know you talk about jostling for space. It is, yeah, there's a lot of information out there and you, you need to get everyone's attention. Um, my final question is actually, if anyone who wants to answer this who's in the industry, how has Me Too changed things? I mean, we've spoken about things moving on a bit in the last few years. Do we think that's what's going on? Do you think Me Too has changed anything? I think it has. I think people are way more aware now of how they're being treated specifically because of like the bigger stories you know like people sharing their stories and I think that's a really important thing I think as a publicist as well we are the keeper of secrets so yeah. we sort of live in this weird world whereby we are rarely seen or heard so I think sometimes it's actually very difficult for a publicist to speak up when you know every single person in this room has probably been bullied or shouted at or being put in a really bad situation or position but as the background people we very very rarely speak up and often in agency land we have a lot of fear that if we do speak up you know you you just won't get the job again because you're being a bit difficult I will say though we did um, have a really incredible example on a unit job that we were doing where one of our staff members was being bullied um, and actually the producer on that particular program stepped in, sorted it out and actually stood up for the publicist and removed that person from set. And that I honestly don't think happens for publicists ever. I think you yeah, know, we are so used to being... So I, I think it's a, it's a weird one for us to answer, I think, that Me Too question. It is really tough, but I, you know, I think there is so much more awareness around that now. And I think I'm very lucky to work in, within an agency with you know, people above me that are very, very aware of those things. And I'm fully confident that if I did have a complaint or if there was a situation that was, was happening, I could speak to those people and then something would be done about it, regardless of what fee people were paying or whether or not we would lose that client. I do truly believe that they would you know, step in. And I think maybe five, ten years ago, that wouldn't be the case. You would have to put up and shut up. And I don't think that that is the case anymore. Thank you for your honesty with that. And thank you for sharing a positive story. I hope that's the way of things to come. And that clearly, this is all part of the fight. So um, if Girls on Film can ever help support you in anything you do in that regard, please let us know. It's been such a pleasure. Um, I think our drinks are wait, so I'm just going to do my little wrapping up and thank you to everyone. Um, thank you to Anna Whelan, to Anne Gartside, to Cara Cook, to Vicky Tupper, to Amy Dowd and Joe Whitehead. Thanks to the wonderful head at Archbold here for producing the show. To our interns, Rosa and Shania, who've worked really hard on this. And of course, special thanks to our partners for this episode, Bulgari Hotel London, especially Biagio Ghetto. And our other partners for this episode, Scala Radio, have been so helpful. Uh, so Jenny Nelson and Mark Jeeves, big thanks for the technical support and recording the show. I hope you all subscribe already to Girls on Film, but if you don't, it's available on all your usual outlets. Also here, we have two of our principal partners, Vanessa Smith and Peter Brewer. Thank you both to them very much. Peter supported us since lockdown and has helped us to keep the feminist flag 
flag flying in tough times. So there's a true ally there. Thank you, Pete. And um, you know, finally, I just wanted to say how much we appreciate all the distributors and the publicists in the room here, and also the companies that we've worked with and partnered with on Girls on Film, because we need your support. Hopefully, we're all supporting each other, but we wouldn't be here without you. So thank you so, so much. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio producer Emma Butt, and interns Rosa Hertzheimer and Shania Pithia. This episode is in partnership with Bulgari Hotel and Scala Radio. Cheers for joining me, Anna Smith. See you soon. Impressive. We could use someone like you. Yeah? 